What's up, guys? Welcome into a week 13 edition of Chargers Weekly. Bolts 6-5 and five, coming off a loss to the Denver Broncos. Cincinnati on deck. Here with Matt Money-Smith. And, buddy, before we get into the Bengals, let's just look back for a minute at, at this Denver game. You know, I wrote a bunch of things down. The pressure on, on Justin Herbert. I think some, some inopportune calls in the first half. Um, the, the backs of Denver, uh, what would you point to as the biggest reason the Bolts are now six and five? Well, I think there's a few things. Number one, you started, you, you mentioned it, the pressure, the, the fact that, you know, you're, you're already down a bushy um, and you're trying to help out that right side of the line. And then Filer goes down, you know, and, and that was the good thing about drafting Slater and signing Filer and Lindsay's that left side of the line was freaking a brick wall it has been so good all season so you can help you can help storm you can help out Schofield a little bit you know with Lindsay maybe if Filer and, and Slater can take care of their business over there uh, but when you got two guards you know and Calamity and Schofield that are supposed to be depth pieces and, and they're going up against you know a Vic Fangio coach defense yeah. You better believe he's going to figure it out and, and he's going to, he's going to find Waldo and man, did he find him, you know, 19 and look, when you're Herbert and you have the type of athleticism, he does, you're fine with edge pressure. I mean, you're not fine with it, but we saw it last year, right? He was one of the yeah, most pressured quarterbacks in the league and you can peel off, you know, you can, you can see that edge rusher coming and peel off the other way. And he's so good on the, you know, throwing on the run. In this case, it was just coming straight up the gut. I mean, the, the guy was taking the snap and the pressure was in his lap immediately. So that's got to get fixed, um, you know, and I don't know if, if you know, obviously it, it gets fixed if Filer's back. If he's not, you know, I I just, and I, and I hate saying this, but it's like there's a reason why Calamity's been in the league as long as he has, and he's stopped at as many places as he has, and he yeah. doesn't have a lot of snaps on his resume. You know, he's there to spell, and he's there to fill in like he did this past week. But, you know, I, I am all for trying something till you, you find a solution. And, and I think if he's got to go out there again with Schofield, I think you're going to see a lot of the same things because Lindsley cannot help on both sides. He's got to pick a side, either help Sko or help, help uh, Calamete. And, and this team is just going to attack the other side, whichever side Lindsley's not helping on. So I think that's where it starts too. Um, drops continue to be an issue. I, I think that's, it's very odd. It's never been that way. Yeah, like 22 um, but I think, this year, like 22 yeah, drops. I think they lead the league. Yeah. Um, but even bigger than that, I, I think the one other thing I, I took away, Chris, is that Denver's really good. They're really good defensively. They're really good. Um, I, I thought it was this, I thought they were the tightest windows that we've seen Herbert have to throw into all season. Mm -hmm. uh, I know he burned Darby a couple times, but I thought Darby held his own for the most part. Fuller, you know, they have that rotation of Fuller and, and Darby and, and Sertan, and I'll tell you, man, I, I remember in the offseason, it felt like there was some heat around the Chargers and Fuller that they were trying to get a deal done with the Bears. And I don't know what happened because they just released the guy. But, man, it sure would have been nice to, to have him on this team for some depth issues. So um, I think offensively, you know, they're moving the ball and they're just stalling out. And penalties killed them. I mean, killed them. You know, Herbert had how many second and 19, third and 15. It just seemed like, you know, Anytime you got some momentum, there was a flag on the ground. And I know I'm rambling now just because it's all sort of coming back to me here. Um, and then I think, you know, the other problem was defense again. You know, you got them in these, in especially, you know, in the second half, you got them in these disadvantage, disadvantageous third downs and longs, and they were letting them convert. Yeah. You know, so I think you, 
you got a lot of stuff I think you got to clean up. But at the same time, it's a it's a one score game. And in the middle eight, they got a chance to tie that thing up thanks to Derwin's interception at the end of the half. I think they tie it up and then they they're like, okay, we got past it. We're we're rolling now. We're good. Instead, I think they had the football for 13 minutes of the third quarter and scored zero points. Yeah. Uh, one, Filer, I think we we realize how valuable he is to this offense. He, he had played 100 percent of the offensive snaps. Abushi too. But yeah. you know the way the way that Filer has played this year had not missed a snap going into that Denver game. He certainly saw his loss money. I almost think that this game was lost in the first quarter because, you know, time of possession has been an issue for this team. It all evened out at the end of the day, but that first quarter, the blueprint was keep Justin Herbert off the field, sustain drives and score points. And they go up, they what, go 14, nothing. Yeah. And it's too late at that point. You, you already have a, a two score lead and you mentioned it. Once you do get time of possession, you don't score any points. Um, another takeaway, Darwin James was the best football player on the field. Oh, no question. He, he was unbelievable in that game. And there, there's no chance they're even in that game if he doesn't play the way he plays. I mean, some of these hits on Javante Williams, and it, there was another big one on, I think, I don't know if it was Patrick or, or one of the receivers, um, the, the strip sack on Teddy Bridgewater that I thought was a fumble, no questions I asked. I mean, the way that he played, man, if you could clone Darwin, I mean, my goodness, this team is so this team. I don't know. 33 to me money. He brings so much energy. And I just, I, I wish that the rest of the defense could feed off of that and, and put together a performance to get them into playoff contention starting Sunday against the Bengals. They're going to need to, I thought they played well. I, I thought for the most part, the defense played well, you know, the 14 points. Remember you flip the field, they, the defense gets the Broncos off. They defer, they hold, they get them off the field. And what do you get? You get a punt that's downed at the one and you nearly pick up that first down, but you can't. And yeah. now the field's flipped, right. And they're on their heels. So um, I thought the defense played well. I, and, and this, I think goes back to something just to Derwin. He's going to be an all pro this year. There's no question. He's, he's oh, the yeah. best safety in the league, but I think it goes back to something we discussed. I don't know, five, six. I don't know. What, I'm trying to figure out what game it was um, where I was like, why is Derwin not involved in in 60% of the plays? But he's been closer to the ball. You know, I think they've made – it feels like they're really, you know, they're, they, are, they are conscious and dedicated to having him closer to the ball to make more plays, to make those plays, you know, like a freaking missile drilling Teddy right in the middle of the back. Um, and that's another part of this game, too, is they had bad fumble luck. You know, Derwin hits Teddy and somehow it becomes Bad an luck. incomplete pass instead of a sack fumble and, and Kaiser's running it into the end zone, or at least the Chargers have flipped the field on the plus side. Um, the the fumble, Joey, with the strip sack on third down that should have forced a punt. Instead, the freaking ball fumbles forward and that drive ends up continuing and they get a score on it. Like there was just too much of that, just bad sort of luck that that went against them. Um, the the one thing I'll say about the, about the D is, and we're also starting to see is... Joey getting kicked inside more and really getting more disruptive where, where you're seeing him play in there. Linval's going to make a huge difference this week and, and they need him. Um, you know, I, I think like you said, they were able to run the ball effectively. They were chewing off five, six yards. And I think that's to be understood with Denver. You know, that's a real, there's a reason why that it's the only team with two backs that have 500 yards. Um, and I think at the same time, the defense played, I don't think they not only played well enough to get a win, but I thought they dominated a pretty good chunk of that game and the offense gave them nothing. 
you know, and, and I think that's the problem. Cause like when you were talking about time of possession, that's what I was alluding to is yeah, it was completely lopsided in that first quarter, but they flipped it in the third quarter and they couldn't cash it in, you know, for any points, like you got a missed field goal from Hopkins, you know, and, and you've got a turnover on downs and then you've got a turnover that should have at least been three points. And now you're looking at 14, 10, you know, and instead it's a pit, it's a touchback pick to Sertan in the end zone on just a, a puzzling throw from Herbert, which we never see, you know, his, his interceptions tend to be, Oh, that defensive back made a really good play. They're not, what the heck was that? And, and that was one of those interceptions and, you know, who knows what was going on. Maybe it was just frustration from all the pressure, not to mention all the freaking penalties. They've got a first and goal and now they get backed up again. And maybe there's a little frustration in there, but like that game was there for the taking. And I think that's, that's what's so frustrating is how <laughs> this team is losing games. You know, what you look at their, their schedule and I'm just trying to refresh my memory here because there's so many of them, you know, be it the Cowboys or the, uh, or the Vikings game. You just, you look at these games um. yeah see the, the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens dominated them but yeah so it's the Vikings the Broncos and the Cowboys those three games you're just like Dah! there's just so many plays that could have been made they're in that game they're trading punches what is going wrong with this team the, the, you're right the time of that's what the reason it's a 60 minute game right I mean you can you can write the ship yeah. and and you can make things happen in the second half in, in the Chargers offense and again, money. I, I, we keep going back to the running game. Justin Herbert can't be the leading rusher two straight gotcha. weeks. It just it just can't happen, especially December. December football, you have to be able to be physical and, and run the ball. And you, you alluded to it, the fact that you're, you're down a guy like Filer, the right side of the line. There's a reason why you're not able to run the ball effectively. And they, they still really haven't identified a, a second running back. Bravo no. was up, but he didn't have a carry. So Which was very odd to me. You know, yeah. they put him, yeah. you know, they put him on the field and the first snap he's on the field is pass pro and he blows his blocking assignment. And then the second time he gets a, a pass out of the backfield and it's like, man, that's hard. That dude's 240 pounds. He's a ham, you know, he's, he's an F-150. Hand him the ball and let him run between the tackles. Let him run behind Rashawn Slater. Like it was very odd that that, that was his indoctrination to the offense. It's like, man, that's a tough ask. For, for that dude who's been on the practice squad his entire career, and all of a sudden he's got to pick up a Denver blitz, you know, and, and that leads to a sack. And then his next one is a target on his shoulder that he's just clearly, you know, that's just not his strength. So we'll see whether or not, I can't imagine he's going to be called up again. Um, I, I would assume they want someone like Kelly out there, you know, and, and maybe Roundtree, who's done a solid job in pass pro yeah. as well. But yeah, they've, they have got to figure out a way to, to run the ball. They just have to, to be consistent. And maybe it's Justin Jackson. Maybe he's feeling a little bit more healthy and it can be him, but yes, hundred percent. They've got to balance this offense out. And I think until, until they do, you just realize it, it it's going to live and die on Justin's arm and maybe his legs right now. And, and just the drops, those need to be minimized. Um, he needs to continue to find his playmakers with Keenan and Mike down the field. And, you know, I'll say this. Austin is having a career season. Yeah, he really is playing fantastic. He had that drop at the end of the game. But I mean, yeah, that was thrown behind him and it was, it was a little, little behind hot. him. Yeah, it was a little yeah, bit I behind think that's, him. That's a 50 50. That, yeah. That's on Herbert and that's on Austin a little bit. But I, I would put it more on Herbert based on, you know, kind of how hot that thing was coming out and the placement of it. But there's three dudes, I think, with 1,000 scrimmage yards and 10-plus touchdowns. It's like Mixon, Taylor, and Eckler. And two that's of those it. guys are going to be on the field together yeah. on, on Sunday. So um, let's let's stay on Austin just for a minute because I, 
I, I think about this guy, a free agent, college free agent 2017, what he's turned himself into. And maybe this would have happened last year, money, had he not gotten hurt. But I mean, the, the way he plays, and I, I've said this so many times, it's probably ad nauseum. He's not a running back. He's just, he's an offensive weapon. weapon. Yeah. You, you put him anywhere. And, and he really is kind of the engine of this offense right now. Yeah, I think and it, it just kind of speaks to the position. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of first round, you know, running backs that don't pan out, second round, third round backs that don't pan out. And then you look around and there's, yeah, I mean, just look at look at the 49ers, right? It's a team that, that relies on the run more than anyone. They draft Trey Sermon in the third round. All the fantasy football players get excited. All right, it's going to be my guy. And it's, it's Elijah Moore. It's like, uh, <laughs> you just, you know, and that guy I think was either a seventh round pick or a free agent or something like there's, I think it's um, it's one of those positions where you can find Antonio Gibson for the for the the, the Washington football team. You know what I mean? Like there, yeah. it just you can find him in different spots, and I don't know why that's the case. You know, Tony Pollard is outperforming Zeke this year for the Cowboys. It's just you know you can find really good players either at the back end of the draft. I mean, now look, Austin's an exception when you're talking about doing something that hasn't been done since Marshall Falk was in the league. You know, it, that's a different deal. That's that's an exceptional player compared to a serviceable one. But um, just going to your point of mixing, we're going to have two of these guys on the field. Dude's a nightmare. He's a complete nightmare. And and the fact that they finally, Zach Taylor has finally built this offense around him instead of around Burrow. And Burrow is now a compliment to Mixon. I wish he would have figured that out next week and not this week, you know, not two weeks yeah. ago, because I think it just makes this offense freaking lethal and, and an absolute nightmare to contend with. We're going to have Paul Daner Jr. break down this matchup and give us a little bit more insight on, on the Bengals. And let's just flip it to Cincinnati. I mean, this is the first time we see Burrow versus Herbert. I thought that this was going to be the flex game. I guess in the end, you know, NBC is probably happy with the, with, the, with the first place matchup in the AFC West with the Broncos and Chiefs. Uh, but this game money... I know you're high on this this Bengals defense. They, they've been playing really well. Um, you hear the the stars, the flashy names like Burrow and Jamar Chase and Mixon, but that defense is a big reason why they're playing so good right now. They're really good. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, the Bengals are, are underrated and no one's talking about Joe Mixon. Yeah, they are. You know, they're they're talking about, you know, maybe maybe Tyler Boyd doesn't get the run he should get because he's a really good player. Um, yeah, there's so enough. Buddy, Staley, Staley said uh, if he's underrated uh, – that's a mistake. I didn't get the memo. Yeah, I, I didn't. You, I, you know, everybody knows Mixon's a, a freak, a complete freak of a player. And look, he would have been a top 15 pick, you know, had he not punched a woman in the face in Oklahoma. Obviously, yeah. it was character concerns that that, you know, had him slide. And yet he was still drafted in the second round after that because of how talented he is. And I should say, you know, having mentioned that kudos to him for for moving forward and, and trying to do the right thing addressing it and and you know being a good member of the community in Cincinnati and, and trying to help out you know those that have suffered those sort of incidents and and use that as a learning tool for him and and for other players to see moving forward you know that it is important to give back and atone for your mistakes in the past if somebody's you know gracious enough to give you a, a second chance um so I want to make sure I balance that out. But the, the, just going back to the football side of things, you know, on the defense, nobody's talking about them. And I can't quite figure out why. And there's there's kind of the, there's a there's a bunch of names that you can kind of mention. But I think the one that never gets mentioned is Jesse Bates and how good he is at safety. Yeah. 
He's going to end up being a pro bowler. He's got a shot maybe to be an all pro. Um, he's really good. And, and you combine, look, when you always talk about how good is a defense while the front and the back connected, and it feels like this defense is starting to get connected. You're starting to see those turnovers. You're starting to see them shut down offenses. They really got after freaking Roethlisberger. I mean, they got after his, you know, uh, and, and look, that was a, a Steelers team. And yeah, they drove, it drove me crazy. And now I'm on a tangent here. Keep going. Just, all the people that were like, oh, Ben's playing his best football. Do you see that game? And they scored 34 points. It's like, wait a minute. They had, they had scoring drives of three yards, seven yards. And 11 yards. Yeah. Uh, it was all turnovers. He was not <laughs> playing great. Those balls were hanging up in the air forever, but that's beside the point. But yes, to your point, DJ Reader um, was, I, I feel like Reader was, um, I think it was when he was in Houston two years ago when he wrecked the Chargers. Like he just wrecked that game. So I want to say it was two years ago. He was in Houston and just destroyed Phillip Rivers in that Houston game that a they ended up game, winning right? with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it was a home game, and the, the Texans ended up winning. And uh, I just remember Anthony Lynn with kind of this sort of backhanded, uh, you know, sort of criticism. He was like, well, you know, when you got a quarterback like that that can run around, you can do a lot of things on offense. <laughs> I was just like, ew. But Reader really wrecked the game. So he's a really good player. Ogan Joby's having an awesome year since they signed him from Cleveland. Hendrickson has been one of the best pass rushers in the league. And, you know, that's where it all starts. Um, you know, the back end has kind of been pieced together. Uh, never been a big Eli Apple fan, but whatever. You know, Awuzie is a really good player uh, that they signed away from Dallas. And I think Bates is kind of the guy that really gets that thing going. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a tough assignment. But I think there's plays out there. I do. I, I think I think there are plays to be made and you can put points up on this defense. And, and I would be I would be more surprised if the Bengals defense was able to shut down the Chargers offense than if we find ourselves in a shootout. To me, that's just kind of how this one is is feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, offensively, we mentioned Joe Mixon and and him kind of being the the guy it starts with. But these pass catchers like Jamar Chase, I think he was pretty cool in in against the Steelers, but like T. Higgins, man. Uh, Boyd, yeah. the, the, you know, the tight end. There, there's so many different guys that, that Burrow can yeah, make. Yeah, Yeah, Uzama. There's so many guys that Burrow can make a star for that specific game. And, you know, I look at the Chargers secondary right now, and we don't know about Asante Samuel Jr. as we tape this. Probably not looking great. Um, Noah Lohi Gilman this week. Um, so the secondary is a little bit thin right now. And you, you just I mean, wonder. They had to go to the waiver wire. You know, yeah. it's so thin. They had to go. They had to go to waivers. And I think, look. That's that's the issue. If you got one out, if you got a Waldo out there and a team uh, addresses it and and attacks it repeatedly, then it's just very hard to overcome, you know. And look, Tavon Campbell's been, uh, I think, a, a good a good player, a good depth piece. But when he's got to play three and four games in every snap, that's a big ask. That is just a big ask, and teams are going after him. And and I'm sure we'll see the same thing if if he's going to be the guy that's you know, that's opposite Mike Davis and Chris Harris is going to stay inside. And I'm sure that's why they addressed it, you know, by, by scooping up a player that I will not be the least bit surprised to see get a pretty good chunk of snap percentage since he's familiar with Staley's scheme um, and, and just kind of knows what his assignments are, what the burbage is and, and where, you know, and, and, and he's able to go out there and be effective at the very least. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a shot. I'll say this though, real quick, you know, the, the thing to remember is while this offense is putting up a bunch of points, 
Burrow's thrown 12 picks. He's been sacked 30 times. So there's plays to be made. You know, there are plays to be made out there. You know, when you're throwing over an interception a game, you got an opportunity to go get after it. So, you know, that's that. And when you got players like Derwin James on the back end and Bosa up front, you know, that line's been leaky. So 30 sacks, that's a lot of sacks, you know, so that's like 10 more than the chargers have. And it feels like Herbert's taking a lot of sacks. So there's, there's plays to be made against this offense. I know you remember the, the bills game last year and the just havoc that Bosa wreaked in that game. That needs to be like a carbon copy this Sunday. Like Bosa, I think, is the key to this game for the way he stops the run and the way he gets after the quarterback. And, you know, DJ was breaking down Burrow and Bosa on film room this week. And we see that that uh, that Derwin uh, strip sack coming in like a heat-seeking missile. Yeah, Joey Bosa made that play. I mean, it, Joey Bosa was the reason Derwin James got in there so quickly. So, you know, Joey's sack production isn't as high as, as we're maybe accustomed to seeing and, and not there with the top tier in the league right now, seven and a half, but that doesn't really tell the story. He's got four no. strip sacks. He gets to the quarterback consistently and money. I think that he's the guy he's going to have to have his elite all pro type performance uh, for the Chargers to win this game. Yeah. You know, you mentioned sacks and I know, you know, Brandon Staley's addressed this as well. You know, that's, it's not necessarily the the, no. I mean, he leads the league in pressures. Joey does. So, yeah. you know, and that's how you create, you know, a, a quarterback to get his clock to speed up, to make mistakes. Other guys get either pressures or hits or a play to shut down. So, and I think what we've seen in the last two weeks too, Chris, is Joey's been very productive, much more productive these last two games than he has, you know, I think at any other point in the season. So, and what we've seen is he's able to put his hand in the ground. They're pushing him inside a little bit. He's stacking up with Nwosu on the same side or Fackrell on the same side outside of him. And I think that's been a lot more effective. So I'm, I'm anxious to see if that's, if, if that's what we're going to see more of, especially in this game. Um, Cause that's, you know, that's what you do to young quarterbacks, get to them fast, you know, don't give them time by coming off the edge, get right up the gut and get right in their face. And, you know, Burroughs, Burroughs an athlete, no doubt, but, you know, he ain't Lamar Jackson. He's not Jalen Hurts, you know, guys that we've seen able to peel out of that when you get pressure right up the gut. Um, and I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to see a lot of Derwin at the line of scrimmage trying to take advantage of this offensive line that's given up 30 sacks and a quarterback that's thrown 12 picks. I, I think I will not be the least bit surprised if, if that's kind of the way they approach this, even though they have all those weapons on the outside. You know what? Don't give them time. Don't give them time to to let Chase get down the field or Boyd to run a nice seam route, you know, 15 yards in the middle of the field, get, get to Burrow immediately, you know, and let's just try to keep this thing from allowing those T Higgins is so good at 50, 50 balls. That's the last thing you want is for yeah. those plays to use explosive plays down the field. This is a much different Bengals team than the one the Chargers saw in week one last year. Let's get this week's opposing view Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic does an awesome job covering the Bengals. He'll join us now. But first, a quick note to let you know that Pepsi, they're handing out the ultimate Chargers fan experience only at 7-Eleven. Rush in and scan the code for your chance to win some awesome Chargers prizes. You want to bolt up with Pepsi. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 years or older. Sponsor is PepsiCo. For official rules, visit boltuplacom slash 7-Eleven. Also want to tell you guys about picks for Popeyes. Get this, every Chargers game this season, when the Bolts defense gets an interception, show your game recap email to your local Popeyes to get a free chicken sandwich when you purchase a chicken sandwich at regular menu price. 
All right, to get this week's opposing view, let's bring him in. Paul Daner Jr. does a great job covering the Bengals in Cincinnati. And Paul, we've done this a couple of times over the last few years. Bengals got a really good football team, and this is a wild card vibe Sunday in Cincy. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's no doubt. It's the all these teams that are kind of bunched together are all facing each other here, and this is one of those. I mean, Zach Taylor, Bengals coach, kind of said this is the – this is, I feel like it's the biggest game of the year for us when you consider where these two teams are stationed, what everyone is fighting for, what a what a loss uh, could mean in both directions. And uh, I, I think that's true. I mean, there's a, there's all these games down the stretch amongst these teams, you know, these five, six teams, Denver, L.A., Cincinnati, even Baltimore, who's up at the one is only one game ahead of the Bengals. So everybody kind of can end up anywhere right now in the AFC. And that's what makes, you know, these these stretch games feel so big every week. Yeah, you know, you look at at the records and head to head's going to be huge, right? They could end up with the same same record if the Chargers win. Bengals can pull ahead by essentially two and a half games because of the head to head here. But the one thing that really jumps out at me, Paul, is how we got here. Like, like, how did the Bengals get to this point? As I was putting the, the board together to get ready for the game, it blew my dome how many new players are on this team. I mean, you've added <laughs> like five defense. They went from like six to 11 defensive backs. There's a ton of waiver acquisitions. I mean, it feels like a full-on roster turnover on defense. Yeah, two years in the making, really. I mean, when you go back, you know, since Zach Taylor took over, they came in the first year and those like kind of learning what do we got? And they realized they have a trash heap. And so they gutted half of it. And there's still a lot left of sort of remaining. And it didn't quite mesh. And they learned a little bit more what they had to do. And they had a bunch of acquisitions in that offseason that almost all got hurt. Trey Waynes, who still has hardly played. DJ Reader got hurt. You know, this nothing Joe Burrow, they draft, he makes it, you know, 10 games into the season. I don't, they didn't feel like they really learned what it would look like when it came together. And then they did one last gutting and it was really totally new. This is now Zach Taylor's team for the first year, his culture, his players, his type of guys, none of the like Marvin Lewis era holdovers who were like, why is this guy doing different? It was all about this new vibe and, and that they created. And, and before the season started, there was a sense of it all felt different that way, but it was okay. A lot of guys say that you hear about that type of stuff when changeover happens. Then they started playing and they started winning and they started acting differently than you've seen Bengals teams act on the sideline in reaction to each other, the way they are in the locker room, the way all of this stuff, it just was very a much a different vibe that they kind of had sold since the very beginning. It just took two years to get here. You're right, though. It was all by going and acquiring guys with a past, a specific past played on good teams, played on playoff teams, came from programs that won championships. They have all these LSU guys and these Clemson guys, mm. a bunch of guys, Trey Henderson from New Orleans, Von Bell from New Orleans. Like they, they went and found guys that have that DNA to them and they've built around them. And man, it has, um, it certainly paid off in, in, in a big way. Paul, they had some impressive wins early in the year, but uh, you know, they caught my attention after the Chargers got beat the way they did in Baltimore. And then for them to go in there and just destroy the Ravens. And then you sweep the Steelers. Uh, what is this team right now? Because they've outscored, I think, the, the Steelers and Raiders, what, 53-23 or, or something, something crazy over the last two weeks. But then you see losses to the Jets, uh, losses to the Browns, that blowout last few weeks ago. Are they a different team in the last two weeks? Are you seeing something different? Yeah, I mean, really what they are is they have become this ownership of 
power running behind Joe Mixon being the initial engine. And, you know, I think they they went and they put brought in a new offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, this offseason to fix that offensive line, which has just been a mess, and said, we're going to – this guy is one of the best in the business at this wide zone running scheme. If we can – everywhere he's gone, he's had great running games. He's found the ability to develop them, including he was here in 2018 – Joe Mixon's best year, not coincidentally. Um, he left and went to the Jets for a couple of years. They brought him back. And the idea was that if, if he can do here what he has done most of his spots and reconnect with what he's already done with Joe Mixon, and that's the running game, and teams have to worry about that, and you just let Joe Burrow play off that, they're scary offensively with their weapons, with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And it took them – really about a half a season to get to that point where they felt like they could really lean heavy on it and really get everybody to connect that way. And what you've seen the last two weeks has been that flower blossoming. I mean, they have looked unstoppable. Mixon is just getting whatever he wants. They're blowing holes. The wide zone looks great. And the moment teams start trying to play single high with an extra player in the box and shade him towards Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase has proven to be one of the best deep threats in the league. They throw balls to T. Higgins on the other side, and he plucks it off the top of the defensive back's head for a touchdown. Or Tyler Boyd just owns the slot as he does. And, and they're just getting all these matchups everywhere off of it. And it's really you seeing this young offense come together that way. You know, what I'm trying to figure out, Paul, like, like the offense to me, it's I, the only concern I had going into the season was the O-line. And you just address that. You know, it looked like there were holes all over the place. That was discussed when they drafted Jamar Chase. But for me, it's the defense and kind of the remaking of that defense. Everyone's going to focus on the skill players because they're so good and Burrow's so likable. But to me, the, the signing of Hendrickson, I'm, I'm a, so two-part question. One, kind of what was the vibe in, in Cincinnati? Because nationally, it felt like, uh, same old Bengals. They're cheap, letting Lawson go, and they're trying to go cheap with Hendrickson. He's been phenomenal. And and two, have they changed their scheme? Have things changed a little bit in the way they're playing defense on top of all the personnel they've added? Um, I'll start with, I mean, with the Hendrickson thing, I mean, yeah, let it, there was a lot of conversation about Lawson versus Hendrickson. They ended up both getting about the same contract. They let Lawson go. They, they liked they like the awareness and the finishing ability of Hendrickson. Lawson is a freak and, and he's yeah. a great pass rusher. And it's a shame he got hurt again, but they felt like so many times he was so disruptive, but he didn't always finish for somebody who was in the backfield as much as he did. Hendrickson, it was the opposite. He like always finished and, you know, and, and he took advantage of it and that has proven itself. And they took a little bit of a risk on that because a lot of people said, well, how much of that was because of everything else happening in new Orleans right. and Cam Jordan, and all these other guys. And, and how much, of those sacks that he got where it's the breakout year because of created by others and they looked at it and they said I, that's not what we see we believe in this guy and boy has he proven to be every bit of that he has been uh, in every metric you look at it, pressures win percentage sacks whatever you care about when it comes to an edge rusher he's in the top five top three whatever it is he's he's been great and that has been helped by others so i think people have certainly come around on that but a lot of people were sad to see carl lawson go because they liked him as far as what they're doing different i just think they're more multiple you know, they have the ability to do different things they have a lot of guys who are good at both up front at both stopping the run and getting after the pass you know larry oganjoli doesn't get talked about enough who's they've moved him into a three tech rule where he's like you know he's more of supposed to be in a pass rusher spot but his background is, is a great run stopper too so teams really struggle to run the ball against them. Sam Hubbard's one of the best at that in the league too, is setting an edge on D that way. And so they, they've really kind of been able to do that. And then also have 
waves of guys they bring in different pass rush sets that have helped him. You know, when Chidobe Ouzie comes in and plays above the head you thought he was going to be, and suddenly you've got a number one in him. And, you know, Mike Hilton comes in and brings you great energy at, at the slot position, maybe above what you even thought you were going to get from him. And they quickly come together. I don't think people thought it would come together this fast. Like I just, that they would be legit. I think there's still questions about them against the league's best offense, most notably how they will look against a quarterback like Herbert. But I do think they've proven a, a foundational level of being good to very good against most teams. I want to correct myself. It was 70-23, 73-23 that they've outscored the Steelers and Raiders the last two weeks, which is crazy. And you mentioned Herbert in the Chargers. What are they saying about the Bolts coming to Cincinnati, Paul? I mean, I, I think this is, and I, I kind of actually wrote about this in The Athletic today, it, it's a proving ground for the defense. It's judgment day for this defense. They have only faced two teams in the top ten uh, in DVOA offensively this year. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, who Devontae Adams had a record day over 200 yards receiving against them. Um, and Minnesota, way back in week one, who put up a bunch of points, 24 and 25 points combined. They've kind of made a living throttling the bottom tier of the offenses in the league. And that's great. Like, you got to be able to do that. But we don't really know who they are defensively against this type of an offense. And what everyone's saying is, how are they going to look? We talked Jesse Bates on Wednesday, and he said, it seems like most teams we've played have had one problem to deal with, you know, whether it's the back out of the backfield or this one receiver. We haven't faced a lot of teams with all the problems to deal with, like the Chargers bring to town. And I think there's a question of, you know, I, the Bengals offense will put up points, should put up points, the way they're rolling, some of the struggles the Chargers defense have had. Can this defense hold the Chargers from winning this game in a shootout? I, I say maybe, probably. We don't really know. I think that's kind of what people are looking at when you look at Sunday's game. Paul, when uh, when we bring teams in, we, we kind of know where they're going to attack the offensive line with Balaga down and, and Obushi out. It's just been the right side. And this last week, you know, with a backup guard on the left side now, Calamete, they just came straight up the middle. The Broncos were super successful, rushing just four. Um, so I, if you can, let's do both of, of kind of both lines here. One, what have you noticed? Where's been the most effective pass rush? Is it interior that's pushing guys outside into the hands of Hendrickson? Is it Hendrickson that is just straight disruptive? Um, and then on the other line, that is really just kind of the one blemish on offense for the Bengals is the amount of sacks that Burrow has taken. Is that line still leaky? Um, are there issues there that, that you think Bosa, um, and company could, could exploit and where would that be? You know, on defense, I think it's a bunch of nice complementary pieces around Hendrickson as the hammer. You know, I mean, I, DJ Reader doesn't get enough credit. He pushes the pocket back every time. So quarterbacks can't step up. Ogunjobi, too. Hubbard has been back in there and he's in the mix and he cleans up a lot of stuff and he's just around. And again, hemming the pocket in. And then because everybody knows what Hendrickson coming around that edge is going to do a lot of the finishing and he does flush a lot of things to other guys. You know, they it's a they do a good job of everyone doing enough. There's there's really no 
you know, spot that's never getting pressure or they're never bringing it up the middle. They've had games where the middle has been a dominant force and they've had game where it's just been coming off the edges on the offensive line. I, you know, I think in pass pro, there's still issues there. Um, Jonah Williams has been really good on the edge. Riley reef has been who you'd expect him to be a 10 year vet who looks the same every year. He's kind of been that it's, it's been about the interior, you know, Trey Hopkins at center, Akeem Adenogy, they feel like they've started to find something because he came in and entered the equation at right guard three weeks ago, but that's been kind of a rotating area. Uh, Quentin Spain's really good at left guard. Really, that right guard center spot is, is where you see a lot of the main issues stem from. And so if teams can take advantage of that, if you've got somebody who can line up over that spot, that's where a lot of it comes from. And Burrow is still under pressure uh, a decent amount, but I think that was a big part of their adjustment into this. Let's focus on Nixon, yeah. you know, is, is let's not put ourselves in these spots. And if we can really get this running game going, we stay in third and manageable. We don't have to do third and long. And then, you know, everything we do still is kind of taking teams a little bit more by surprise. And that's when Burrow just owns people. So it's kind of been that combination of why they made that adjustment to have a fewer less opportunities for teams to really tee off. You know, this is the first matchup between uh, Burrow and, and Herbert. It was Tyrod Taylor in week one yeah. last year. So this will be a treat to just a real barn that. burner. <laughs> what was the final, like 16-13? 16-13, Randy Bullock's Cavs says, he said they seized up yeah. as he missed yes. like a chip shot a field one. goal at the end. He was rubbing Cavs. his belly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Paul, last thing for me, based on everything you've seen from the Bengals recently and – um, knowing what you know about the charges, what do you think could decide this one on Sunday? I think what I said earlier, I think it's how many points can this Chargers offense put up? I mean, can they, is this Bengals defense real? How much can they limit uh, a guy with the ability of, of Herbert? Uh, is it going to look like what Green Bay did when Green Bay was throwing it all over them? Um, I, I think that's going to be the difference. I think the Bengals will score. Uh, I think it's going to come down to, you know, how effective is Herbert? You know, two guys with a lot of picks this year playing against each other. Mm -hmm. Burrow and Herbert have both thrown a ton of picks. You know, which team is the beneficiary of those? And, um, you know, like most games, uh, turnovers play such a huge role. But I think when you consider how much it has been a storyline for these two quarterbacks, uh, who throws the most of them might be a big part of it, too. Uh, you still have Baltimore and Cleveland on the schedule. Last thing from me, Paul, you think this team wins? The, I think they're the best team in the division. Do you think they win the division? I do. They're the healthiest uh, by a long shot. Uh, I think they have the best quarterback right now and the best offense right now. I mean, everybody else yeah. has, has looked questionable and they, you know, it's all in their hands. They, they have Baltimore coming here on December 26th. They win that game and it's, 